Here's the big idea if you miss it. Here's the big idea if you kind of tune out. It's this. Time with God, time with God builds trust in God. Time with God builds trust in God. And I share that with you because this sermon, what I'm about to share, really was birthed out of a conversation that I had with a student a few months ago. I had a conversation with a student a few months ago. Sarah and I were at our house and, and this student was sitting with us and, and this student was just sharing, you know, I'm not feeling God anymore. I, I just feel like he's been silent. I feel like he's not speaking to me. I'm kind of done with it. I'm ready for him to do something and it just feels like he hasn't done anything yet. And this student was essentially asking the question that I think many of us in this room are asking and it's this, where are you God? Where are you? Maybe you're in a crisis right now. That maybe you were trying to figure out what college to go to. And you're going, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Or maybe your parents recently sat you down and said, hey, we're not going to be living in the same house anymore. Or something about your world is changing and you're going, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Or maybe there's a new challenge that's come your way, some issue, some life-altering decision or whatever it may be. And you're going, God, where are you? And I, I think for many of us, because of kind of the world that we live in, because of the world that we live in, because everything is so fast-paced, because YouTube is a thing, because nobody waits for buffering. Like, has anybody ever, we don't wait for buffering anymore, right? Like, you go on Netflix, and you've got your show, and literally, if the Wi-Fi is struggling, I mean, you're, you're just going to go onto the LTE. You're not going to wait, right? We, don't, we just don't wait for that kind of stuff. If we're sitting there, and we're trying to play our music, and it's just not streaming fast enough, we're so impatient, when was the last time I heard a speaker say this? When was the last time like, somebody sent you like, an, like, a, like a five minute video and you watched it? We don't, right? Like video's gotta be a minute or two minutes before we would even consider watching them. You see, we, we live in a world that is so fast paced that instantly you post something on Instagram and you immediately know how well it is being received. That for some of you, you've, you've been in a situation where you've made a mistake and it was recorded or it was captured or whatever. And all of a sudden, in what felt like a moment, the whole world knows. You see, we live in a world that, where everything is just happening so fast that the idea of being patient, the idea of waiting, the idea of God working in us and working in the middle of our lives, even when we don't feel him, and it seems like, man, God, where are you? We have a really difficult time holding on to that. I was, I'm gonna just confess something. If you know me, if you've been around a lot, I just share a lot of personal stories, and I don't really have kind of any filter, and I don't really have a way of protecting my reputation. This is just who I am. So I'm gonna tell you guys something about me that I haven't really told the church yet, and um, it's just something real. It's just a part of, I guess, growing old and you know, being fat, but I guess this is something you need to know. So the other day, well, Sarah, my wife, has told me that I snore like crazy, right? Like, I'm just a loud snore, and I thought it was like a blessing to her. Like, I thought it was like white noise, you know what I mean? And she would more describe it as like, like a combination of like a tornado and an earthquake and like a dinosaur roaring kind of in the same like moment. And I've always kind of felt like a little tired and I haven't really like, you know, I don't feel like I sleep super well. And I just feel like, like, even though I have a lot of energy, I'm like, I think there's more, but I'm like so tired. And, and so I, um, so my wife signs me up to go take a sleep study, right? To like see how well I'm sleeping. Now, I'm, I'm like 30 years old. I'm young, hip, very good looking. There's a lot of things going for me. And, and so I'm like, I'm not sure I really want to do this, you know, but all right, I'll go do this sleep study. And so 
I, I go and I, I'm sitting there and um, all of a sudden this guy starts hooking me up and all, you don't know anything about this, maybe your parents have this or something, but all of a sudden I'm sitting there, it's like nine o'clock at night, I'm in this kind of like sterile like hotel room slash hospital room and it's just kind of weird and, and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden this guy, um, I think his name is Nick, Nick is like kind of hooking me up with like all these monitors because they're going to monitor my sleep and see how well I'm doing. So he start hooking me up with like all these little strings and all these things attached to me and it gets to the point he's like attaching things to my arms and to my legs and like it's this full body experience and I feel like I'm about to get zapped but I'm kind of just sitting there and, and, and I can't walk and I can't like move it on so he walks me back to like where my bed is and, and I kind of lay down like slowly in my bed and I can't move it on I'm supposed to sleep the whole night and what they're going to do is they're going to monitor like how well I'm sleeping. And, and in my room, there's this bathroom and the bathroom door is open and I hadn't used the bathroom and I kind of had to go to the bathroom, but I'm like, I'll just wait till the morning or whatever. And so I'm about, I'm laying there, right? And right as he's about to leave, right as he's about to leave, this is what he says to me. He goes, he, even though we're having a great conversation, he's actually a Christian. Like he was telling, you know, we were talking about churches and all this cool stuff. Then he says this to me, he goes, he goes, Hey Eric, just random question. Like, do you believe in ghosts? And I'm like, oh, no, not really. Like, I, I kind of think it's one of the ways that maybe the enemy like, satisfies a spiritual itch in people without them connecting with Christ. And so I'm not really a big believer in ghosts, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, me neither, me neither, me neither. And then he says this. He says, but you got to know, some people believe this place is haunted. <laughs> and his eyes get real big. His eyes get real big. Now, you know, I grew up, I grew up afraid of everything. I always thought somebody was going to come and break into my house. I had one of those giant sports illustrated, um, like basketball superstars, like life-size posters in my room. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and it was like this 10 foot man was always standing over me. And so I get very scared. I get very scared when Sarah's not home. This is like confession hour. When Sarah's not home, like if she's on a trip or something, I sleep with all the lights on. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Courtney, I've talked about this in our student ministries team. My fear, even as like a 200 plus man, 200 plus pound man is getting kidnapped. I'm absolutely terrified that somebody's gonna kidnap me. So I'm sitting there. So I'm sitting there in the bed and he goes, hey, some people believe this place is haunted. And I'm like, what do you mean, Nick? What are you talking about? And he says this, Nick goes like this. He goes, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the last guy in this room, the last guy in this room, he said, he said, yeah, he said that um, somebody was standing at the foot of his bed all night long. And I'm just hooked up to the machine, right? Like, I can't do anything. I can't, I can't rip it off and run. I'm stuck there. And then he goes, and he goes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and another room down there, uh, somebody said that all night long, there was a person at their bed tickling their feet. I'm like, this is crazy. And then here's the best one. Here's the best one. Nick, Nick says this, Nick goes like this. He goes, he goes, oh yeah, dude. And, 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 and the craziest thing happened last week. He said last week, it's kind of like a, like a weird hotel room where there's like tons of different rooms and, and you come out in these long hallways and it's always the middle of the night. And he said last week, a technician walked outside of one of the rooms that he was monitoring and he looked way down the hall at the very end. And guess what he saw? He saw somebody waving at him. Here's the best part. He goes, well, good night. Shuts the door. Literally shuts the door. Shuts the door. I literally like only had enough energy and battery life to like text Sarah, like pray, babe, like pray, <laughs> pray. Cause this is not good. And I'm sitting there and I'm just wanting to run away, right? Like I'm wanting to get out of this uncomfortable situation as quickly as possible. 
and we're all kind of programmed that way a little bit, right? Like as soon as something uncomfortable or challenging, or we go through a dry spell in our relationship with God, we're no longer having those, those like Christian feels, you know what I mean? It's no longer like, man, I just can't sense God or camp seems so different. And we want to run away from it. But you guys are in good company because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the Bible who felt the exact same way you did. But what's interesting is oftentimes God took a really, 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 really long time to do a really, really, really great work in their life. And if you're in a season right now where you're just not feeling God, hold on, hold on, because he will pull through. I'm gonna tell you a story at the very end of one way that God just pulled through in such a powerful way for me when I was in high school. But I wanna draw our attention to just a few passages. Abraham, check out the story of Abraham. We, we all know, and, and as we read the scriptures, we just read chapter after chapter, and it seems like this stuff happens so quickly, right? I want, I want you to check this out. Genesis chapter 20, uh, or chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse one to five says this. The Lord had said to Abram, this is before he got the name change, Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Verse two. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Verse number three. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So basically what God is saying is I am gonna bless you so that you can go be a blessing. I'm gonna make your name great. There will be people forever that will look back and say, man, we are connected to the lineage of Abram and then check out what happens next. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. You see, Abram, Abraham, he's 75 years old and God makes a promise to him. He says, you're gonna have a kid. You're gonna have a son and I'm gonna make your name great Your name's gonna be great for my name to be great and I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna bless, your lineage is gonna bless many, many people. He was 75 years old, then jumped to chapter 21, chapter 21, verse one, it says this. Genesis chapter 21, verse one says, do, 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 let's see. Do we got it there, guys? Genesis 21. All right, this is what it says. Genesis 21, verse one to five says this. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was, what did it say? Verse five, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. You see, at the age of 75, God makes a promise to Abram that is not fulfilled for another 25 years. See, there was a lot of time there where Abram and his wife, Sarah, were were going, really God, can I really count on you? And what they learned is what all of us are gonna learn is that Time with God builds trust in God, but it took 25 years. Check out the next example. Joseph, the life of Joseph. Joseph, at the age of 17, how many of you are 17 in the house? Raise your hand if you're 17. Whoop, whoop, whoop. At the age of 17, I want you to picture yourself as 17-year-olds. At the age of 17, Joseph's brother have this awesome idea. They're like, we're so jealous. Joseph, your dad's favorite. We're gonna throw you in a well. Then we're gonna sell you to some slaves. You're gonna get shipped off to Egypt. You're not gonna see us again. And they sell him off 
at the age of 17. And it's not till 13 years later, after being in the palace and going to the prison and back into the palace in this wild ride in a land he did not know, that God showed up and said, man, I haven't forgotten about you, Joseph. And in Genesis chapter 50, Genesis chapter 50, it says this, verse 20. Joseph says this, you, you, he's talking to his brothers at the end of this 13 year battle of of going, where are you, God? Where are you, God? 13 years later, Joseph says, you, and he's talking to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, God was up to something in Joseph's life that at year three, at year four, at year five, at year six, at year seven, where he's in the prison, he's going, really, God? Really? Are are you still working? Have you forgotten about me? And God says, man, I'm doing a big work. This, the Hebrew word right here for intended is kashab. Can everyone say kashab on three? One, two, three. Kashab. And here's what it means. It means to weave. It means to weave. You see, what, what others, what others were weaving for harm, God was going to use that to weave together something good. Some of you are in a dry spell right now. And your, your heart just feels hard and you're just going, I just don't know if God's real. Man, he is weaving a story together. You hear me say this a lot. But God will write a great story with your life if you'll give him the pen. If you'll give him the pen, God will write a great story with your life, but you've got to trust him that the chapters and the pages and the stories and the annotations that he includes are all part of the weaving, are all part of the storytelling that he wants to do with your life. I think about the life of Moses. Moses, uh, there's this moment where he notices a Hebrew, he's an adult, he notices a Hebrew being beaten and so he kills an Egyptian and all of a sudden Pharaoh wants to kill him. And so he flees to this land that he did not know. And he's asking the question, where are you God, where are you? And then in Exodus chapter two it says, after a long, after that, during that long period, The king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. And it is at that moment that then God calls Moses to free the people, to liberate the people from slavery. But it took a long time for God to pull through. I wanna jump into uh, Psalm 46. Find me in Psalm 46. The psalmist, I wonder, is kind of maybe feeling this same way. And this is one of my favorite psalms. He says this, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. I love this. The poetry here. Have you ever felt like, and maybe you're in it right now, where you're like, the earth is literally giving way. Like life as I know it has radically changed and it feels like the earth has totally given way and the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. I love this about scripture. It doesn't deny the reality that life is hard. That the Bible never asks us to suspend our truth, our belief in reality. 
The Bible speaks into the reality of our world, says, I know things are crazy. I know the oceans are roaring. I know you're uncertain about what the future holds. But there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at, day, at daybreak. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. Can you guys say with us on three? One, two, three. With us. You guys, this is one of the greatest promises in all of scripture is that God is with us. You see, God's witness, God's witness changes everything. And it doesn't matter how many years you have to wait, how many months you have to wait, how many days you have to wait. God promises to always be with us. And he asks us to hold on. Let's continue. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. When you're standing there and you are finding out horrible news or when you are reading your Bible and you're going, I just don't feel you, God, or you're feeling so numb and dead inside, the scripture invites you to be still and know that he is God. You know what I love about this? It doesn't say be still for five minutes. It doesn't say be still for one day. It says be still and know that I am God. And maybe that stillness is gonna last longer for each one of you. Maybe there will be a season where you've got to be still and know that he is God, even when you don't feel it. If you allow your faith to be dictated by your feelings, you're in trouble. We can't trust our feelings. Our feelings are crazy. When Brinley walks in the room at like 3 a.m. and is like, Daddy, I pooped my diaper. I'm not feeling like wanting to change her. I'm not. I want nothing to do with that girl at that moment. You know what I mean? But I've got to rise above that. I can't let my feelings dictate my life or dictate my faith. And so in those moments, whatever that season that you're in, you've got to be still and know that he is God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I want to close with these two stories. The first is this. When I was in a high school and I was graduating from high school, I had got accepted to Point Loma Nazarene University. And that's where I was gonna go my freshman year. And man, I was so excited. My best friend was there. Some of my buddies were gonna go there as well. And I was so amped. And then my parents sat down with me and my parents said, hey, um, we can't afford to send you to Point Loma. And what, what was my plan A going to Point Loma quickly became my plan B. My youth pastor said, hey, I'd love for you to intern with me and, and I'll work with you for these next two years and teach you about ministry and, and it'll be a really great time and you know, we'll work together, it'll be awesome. And I was close with my youth pastor, so I said, awesome, okay, plan A was Point Loma. Man, plan B is gonna be working with my youth pastor. Three months into that two-year internship, my youth pastor sat me down and said, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to be a cop. And he goes, I'm gonna leave the ministry and I'm gonna become a cop. And three months after that, so six months into my training, into my internship, he's gone. And for the next year and a half, me and the junior high pastor, who I didn't know very well, tried to run a ministry, tried to run a junior high and high school ministry. And I made so many mistakes and I burned so many bridges. 
And I frustrated so many parents. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And what began as a plan A to go to Point Loma became a plan B to intern with my youth pastor. And it quickly became a plan C. And I remember asking myself, where are you, God? Now, I was supposed to go to college, but then I did this and then that. Where are you, God? And then it dawned on me. Two years after that internship, I realized, man, God has called me to ministry. That this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that for me helped kind of launch what I'm doing with my life now. And I realized this very important truth that sometimes, sometimes my plan C is God's plan A. And sometimes the things that I look at and I go, absolutely not. I wouldn't write this into my story. Why is this happening? Why didn't that happen? Why didn't that happen? I realized, man, it was God's plan A all along. When I was in high school, I remember going through a season where I was reading my Bible and I was praying and I didn't feel God. I didn't sense he was speaking to me. I remember it was actually around the time in 2001 with 9-11, there was talk about like going to war. And I remember thinking I was going to get drafted. And as a high school student, I was five feet tall. Like I was five feet tall. I was a hundred pounds. I used to get pulled over by the cops all the time when I had my license. They didn't believe me. I was such a small guy. And I was like, me going to war is not a good thing. Like, it's not going to be good for anyone. And I remember being really afraid, really like, God, where are you? Where are you? I remember in that time praying and reading, just feeling fear and anxiety and, and wondering, where are you, God? And I remember praying, God, show up, God, show up. It was a few years later, in the year 2003, in February, that I was in church, and I kept going to church. I said, I'm going to keep reading my Bible, I'm going to keep praying, I'm going to keep coming to youth group, I'm going to keep going to church. And it was in a main worship service, not a youth group setting, it was in a main worship service at my Presbyterian church that I grew up in. That at the end of the service, our pastor got up to give sort of a benediction, to give kind of closing remarks. And as he was about to do that, a woman in the congregation stood up. And she said, Pastor, I'm sorry. And she was a member. We kind of knew who she was. She said, Pastor, last night I felt like God put words on my heart that he wanted me to share with somebody in the congregation. And I don't know who, but I just feel like I'm supposed to read this. Are you okay if I read this? And my Presbyterian pastor was feeling rather charismatic that day. And so he decided to let this happen. And as I was sitting there, full of anxiety, full of worry, asking the question, where are you, God? I don't feel you. What are you doing? Two years later, this is what she read. It was called Words from the Lord. So this was God speaking to me. I am with you, my beloved. I will never leave you or forsake you. My word is true and I keep my promises. You can trust me and only me. Keep your eyes focused on me for I will lead the way. My way is safe and you will be protected. Do not fear. Fear is not something that I give. I give peace and hope and joy. I am the prince of peace. Fear is from the enemy. He wants to hold you in his grip and blind you but I have come to set the captives free. My grip is secure, but it does not bind. Come to me, find comfort in me. I am the lover of your soul. Take refuge in the one who loves you, holds you and protects you. You are safe in my loving care. Stick close, we are in this together. Never to be separated like a lost child. I don't lose my children. They are eternally safe with me. Eternally means forever and ever. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you think that I would leave you at such a time as this? 
leaving you is beyond my comprehension. I say again, I do not leave my children. They are safe in my keeping, but only in mine. Don't be fooled by imposters. Stay as close as you have ever stayed. Don't you dare let go of my hand. Stay connected to the vine, your source of life and breath. You must not stray for it is dangerous. But you need not fear. I can conquer all. I am your strength and your power. Watch and see what I can accomplish. It will boggle your mind, but that is good. Your cage needed rattling. It was perched on an unstable foundation, but be sure I will not let you fall. Wait and see what I will do. I will do great things, for I am the great and powerful I am. Wait and see, wait and see, but remember to hold fast as you wait, always looking above. Trust me and wait. You guys, when I heard these words, I instantly knew, man, God was with me all along. He was speaking exactly what I needed to hear. And maybe some of you tonight needed to hear those words that were written in 2003 to me that are impacting some of you. And no matter what season you're in and no matter how often and how frequently and for how long you've been asking the question, where are you, God? Don't forget, he is always with you. So until you have that moment, until you have that revelation, until things change, be faithful. Read the word of God. Pray to God. Be connected and committed to HSN. The, the, the thing the enemy wants more than anything is for you to go and isolate yourself. Don't isolate. Stay close and wait and see because we're called to be still and know that he is God and we will see him do great things. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for this time, this community, this place. God, as we go process for a few minutes, the questions we're asking, where are you, God? I pray that maybe even this would be a wake-up call for all of us, that you haven't abandoned us, you haven't let go of us, you are with us. So God, we're gonna hold on. And until we feel you pull through, we're gonna hold on knowing that you will pull through. Because time with God builds trust in God. So we will wait and we will be patient. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.